1: So, how about doing something today that actually matters while you still can? Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Quick Talk Podcast. We're wrapping up a three part series with my good friend Michael Dalkey, my good buddy Michael Kaplan. Uh, that's been really amazing. I know you guys are freaking out. This is going to be, you know, we save the best for last. We're going to talk about money, finance, everything you're doing wrong in your business, the reasons people get stuck with money being one of the biggest hang-ups. And hopefully you've listened to the the previous two sessions I did with them. In part one, we talked about kind of leadership and how do you find like a Yoda or someone to kind of help you spit shine little things in your business that can make all the difference. Then the second episode is about your business model, understanding your actual model, like as a machine and how most people miss it. And we just had a great conversation there. Uh, But before we even start the conversation about money, I just want to Kind of tell you why why we're doing this. Like, I was talking to Michael a few weeks ago privately, just catching up, and he had invested in a business that wasn't his business. Now, these guys run, they do over $20 million between them in the home service industry in multiple states. So, really smart and everything. But he had told me last year he made an investment in this California company. I was like, really? California, man, that's a tough state. He's like, I know. We didn't know if we wanted to do it, but it's worked out great. And the business is just killing it. So, it's been about a year. Since he had made that investment. And him and Kaplan had partnered together with this little company called Red Hook Investments. You can go to redhookinvestments.com and they're they're kinda looking for the right type of people who have a business that's maybe stuck, okay? You didn't doesn't mean you started it yesterday, but like you're a good person, you have integrity, you do the right thing when no one's looking, and you care about your customers and your team. You have resilience and persistence, but it still doesn't work. Like, there's so many good people out there where it's stuck, and maybe you need more than just uh, an (laughs) ebook, or more than just a video training to watch. Like, maybe you need to actually work with people like Michael Dalkey and Michael Kaplan. Well, that's your opportunity. Like, the reason we're doing this. I get no money from this. I just want to be clear. Like, I don't do any affiliate stuff on this podcast at all. They're just my friends, and this is valuable. And based on the feedback from my listeners, I think this could literally change some people's lives, to be honest. And so if that is resonating with you, before we even get into this, make sure you make a note to go to redhookinvestments.com. There's a tiny little form. You fill it out, and you could actually have a conversation with these guys. That's pretty freaking awesome. Okay. I just want to get that out of the way, but uh, guys, I want to talk about finance, which is a very scary topic for people that aren't good at math, or they just started their business two years ago, and they've been avoiding going deep on this. Can you start me off, uh, maybe, M- Mr. Kaplan, with uh, just an overview of small business finance from a service owner's perspective? What are people doing wrong? What have you seen? Take it from there.
2: Boy, I I think a lot of people uh, take the the method of uh, planning or failing to plan. And if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. I uh, love that corny little line. But if you don't, if you don't have. Uh, a a structure in place where, you know, I need this type of money for this type of business, for this type of activity, you kind of get what you get. And I've worked with a lot of small businesses, uh, as a friend, as a mentor, uh, and with some big businesses as well that, uh, don't exactly have a purposeful model for their capital. Um, they don't know what they need. Uh, they don't know why they would need it. And a lot of us, uh, when I started out, it was the same way you start out and you've got this business and you got, you know, a hundred bucks in the bank. Great. I got a hundred bucks I can go play with. Well, if, if you take it out of the business, the business can't grow. The business doesn't have uh, the the money in place to uh, help it achieve its goals because there wasn't that plan. And I, I look at business uh, there, there's three, three types of businesses that are, that I, I think uh, will resonate with people. You you can be a sailboat, you can be a yacht, or you can be a battleship. All three have benefits. All three have drawbacks. So uh, imagine you're a sailboat. You're a small, tiny little vessel. You're nimble. You're fast to take action. Uh, but what happens? A strong wind comes and it, it flips you over. You, you're not as stable and durable. Um, it takes money to get out of that. It takes systems to take it out to get out of that type of business. So let's say you grow, you bring in some infrastructure. Hey, you're a yacht. Um, you have help. You have deckhands. You have a crew that's going to help you weather the storms. You put some legs on the stool. You've you've created more stability by adding maybe more service lines and more people. But what comes with that? You've got more infrastructure. You've got more expense. Um, on the good side, you've got more stability in systems. Uh, it takes a even bigger wave or bigger wind to knock you over. So you grow a little bit more, you build some more infrastructure, you have more cash in your account. You've got a battleship. You've got more legs on the stool, more stability, more varied services. You've got a team, you have systems. It's less dependent on you. Downside, of course, you've got uh, slower decisions, more bureaucratic processes. You've got more people and, uh, more infrastructure. So when you think about your business like that, um, in terms of being this tiny little thing, this medium-sized thing, or this really big thing, what are you trying to accomplish? And what are the capital requirements to get there? I think that's an important question that a lot of business owners miss, uh, that that planning and that uh,
1: that modeling. As a follow-up question, is it... Doesn't a lot of this just have to do with people not planning up front what they want in the first place? Like, what is the final destination? What is the geo-coordinates of the place we're sailing whatever boat it is to? Like, you can't even reverse engineer this stuff if you haven't predetermined the kind of where you're going. And for me, that's one of the biggest missing pieces. And what are your thoughts on that?
2: I I would say most business owners, uh, or many business owners at the least, don't have goalposts. They don't know what success looks like. So of course they're going to be frustrated and of course they're going to have uh, uh, varied results that are kind of high and low and up and down and left and right because they, they don't know what their plan is. They don't have purposeful uh, scorecards that show them what success looks like. So they don't have uh, capital allocation and cash on hand commensurate with uh, whatever model, because they don't have a model they're they're pushing toward.
1: Mm, yeah, Donkey. what do you think about this?
0: Yeah, I would completely agree. I think um, to compare and, trust, compare and contrast two different models in the capital required, uh, in the window cleaning space, we've got a route work business and we've got a residential business. They're two really separate businesses. I know you talked about that, Josh, how they're not the same, they may be both doing window cleaning, but they're two separate businesses, completely separate models. In one, in the route work business, to get a route started, your infrastructure investment is, uh, is 286 bucks. You know, it's a bucket, some towels, a squeegee, a pole, a ladder, and you're, you're a route work window cleaner just like that. Now, you need capital to build and sell and do different things to increase the amount of jobs that you have. But on the residential side, if you want to start up a new truck at Blue Skies, you know you need about $100,000 of revenue for a one-man crew on that one truck and you've got to buy the truck, you've got to wrap that truck, you've got to lat- put a ladder rack on that truck, you got to fill it with ladders, you got to fill it with supplies, you got to fill it with a guy, and then you've got to market enough and put enough into that marketing engine that you've got enough to generate that $100,000 of business so that that guy can work. So in general, even if we use a little bit of leverage on those vehicles, it's a $20,000 investment to increase capacity by 100% or sorry, by 100000 in the residential window cleaning business. Now, route work, two hundred eighty-six, Residential, 20000 You can make arguments for both and why route work is worse and why window, this is better or different, but both of them require a capital investment. It's just different. On residential, it's in trucks and ladders and people and then media buying. And on route work, it's a very little on supplies and a lot on a sales team that can generate $50,000 of business, which is... You know, 150 jobs in the route work business. So we've got them both, and they both require different investments, but they both require investment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And do you have a little bit more cash burn on the route work side, or do you just pay commission? Like, for example, since it's a low ticket item that's repeated weekly, for example, maybe it's 20 bucks to clean the pizzeria windows every week. That represents an annual value of over a thousand dollars but you only collect $20 that first week, so you're actually going backwards a little bit, whereas on the residential side, uh, maybe your average ticket's $400 and you can acquire a customer for, for, to where you're still profitable on the first transaction. They're, not that one's good or bad, they're just different. And th- Your point being, you have to understand the mechanics of how all those numbers work, correct?
0: Yeah, absolutely. They're just different. And um, we can go into our route work business model at a different time, but we've got a really, really sexy route work business model, and it works (laughs) really, really well. Um, And it revolves around paying people in money and paying people in experience and learning and new knowledge so that we don't have to go out and burn so much cash as you have described. So our route work model is super sexy. But in general, I think that what most people miss is that they get to this point where they were doing it the sailboat model and they got their one route and they can keep growing because they're the one out there cleaning. And then they get the second route up and they're at that 200,000 or maybe four, whatever that number is. But then they go away from cleaning and they get into the office and they go, I just can't get to that next level. And it might not be because their marketing's bad. It might not be because their people are bad. It might just be they're not emotionally ready to invest $20,000 into that next $100,000 of capacity. And that's a really tough thing to do. I don't want to dismiss that at all. But it does take someone who's ready to say, I'm going to make that investment. I'm going to take that money away from the dashboard, put it over here into the business, and grow it. And I, and I think that a lot of people just keep their marketing. Well, I've always invested 20000 in marketing. It's been 20000 $20,000. i am not growing anymore. I can't figure out why. And the reality is, maybe they need to go to forty, And that's the next step
1: Yeah, I love it. And I want to, like, open up the next part of the conversation by giving you some backstory. So when I work with small business owners over the last few years, um, there's a big trend where people are pretty sure that the answer to their prayers, guys, is if they just had more capital. Give me the money and it will be fixed, right? Like, give me – if I just had 20 grand, then everything would work. Then I'd scale and have the business of my dreams. Or they think, if I just had a business partner, then blah, 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 fill in the blank. The problem I see with it, and I want your guys' perspective, is um, they're looking for someone to save their day. And what I mean is, is they're looking to use capital as a way to save themselves from drowning or throw it on equipment or throw it at some marketing thing. Nothing's tested. They don't really understand their numbers, their metrics, their model. They don't have any of that. They're not real great at leadership or personnel development yet. And they don't really want to get better and do the down and dirty work. They just want to write big checks so that everything will be magically fixed. Or they want a business partner to come in and save the day. Um, I've, I've Honestly, I've seen it countless times Um, but when I talk to people like you, you guys know how to deploy capital, how to raise capital, how to acquire things and use partnerships. You guys do some complex financial stuff compared to the average home service business owner. What do you have to say in terms of using debt or properly using capital or anything regarding that? And and have you heard people say that, (laughs) that they think that would fix everything for them? What do you think, Kaplan?
2: Well, money solves all the world's problems, doesn't it?
1: I don't know. Just
2: what kidding. Um, <laughs> 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 Dalky was scared for a second. No, I, I think uh, I think you're not well served taking out loans or bringing on partners if you don't have a plan. What are what what are they going to do strategically with your business with you to change your paradigm? Just bringing on money is is a great way to burn money. If you bring on money, do it with purpose. Set up the goalposts. Set up the plan, figure out what do you need on the people side? What do you need on the business model and the strategy side? Then what do you need on, on the money side and kind of reverse engineer it? I, so I'm doing 400000 I I think my business will be more stable, more productive. I'll get more out of it uh, in terms of job satisfaction and lifestyle and more stability if we're doing a million. All right. Well, what's the world look like if we're doing a million? We need more guys and gals out in the field. We need more equipment. What does all that look like? What does that growth capital require? All right. So I understand uh, maybe I need 30000 or $50,000. Well, just having 50 grand and buying the equipment and the team doesn't get you there if you don't have the business model. So it, it's a three-legged stool and you need each of the legs to, to have a stable land.
1: Yeah, I love that. What do What do you think, Doc? Have you ran into that in working with yeah, people?
0: Absolutely, and I've got a I got a lot I could say on it. Um, you know, you bring up how Kaplan and I think about things differently, and I do think it's a mindset. If you have a mindset that money is going to solve the problem, it's the wrong mindset. The behaviors that are going to move you to the next level are not related to just getting money. The if you put more money into the same set of mindsets, the same set of behaviors. You're going to get the same result. If you're losing money, you're just going to lose more money. So uh, Kaplan and I do think about things differently. We were having um, uh, enjoying a, a cocktail in Orlando, Florida, recently, and uh, Kaplan brought up about his dad had worked on a merger and acquisition multi-million dollar company, and there were seven tranches of debt. And I'm giddy thinking, oh, how the heck do you do seven tranches of debt? And the guys next to us go, what's a, what's a tranche of debt? It's just a different thought process than that we have, and we play and think about and we play capitalist and business owner and, and not that anyone can't get there, but you have to shift the mindset if you're going to use money in a way that you're going to have seven tranches of debt to try to buy a $50 million deal versus if you're going to buy a truck. So one of the things that I say on debt, Warren Buffett's got a quote that if you're smart enough to use debt, you don't need it. And if you're if you're not smart enough to use debt, you better not take it. So <laughs> you got to have you gotta have the right mindset around taking on debt, and it's gotta be really, really thoughtful. If you, every time you take on debt, you're pulling future income and off the table, and you're putting it towards that debt, you're you're basically pulling spending forward so that you can acquire more stuff. Now, with that said, there's uh, a business belief, and I believe this further. First, you plan what you want to do. So, it's like Kaplan was saying. You plan what you want to do. You build the strategy. The second piece is how you finance it and there's times where making using debt to finance things makes sense and there's times where using equity and having a partner makes sense those things are are important but if you don't have the right mindset and you don't have the right strategy or plan it's going to fail no matter how much money you bring in
1: mm, 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 mm. man i that was awesome
2: something something I think really is, is fun is Mike and I have worked on big deals and we've worked on small deals. We, one of the most fun deals we've had, uh, we bought a very, very tiny piece of a company and I think we put in, uh, $16,000. Um, and we are working on a deal that's, uh, likely to require a little over $2 million. Um, both are fun, but, rare would be the circumstance and neither of these are the circumstance where we would put money in and walk away. The, the thing that we have fun doing is finding the the growth capital requirement, but then helping put the pieces in place to make that money actually work. What are the, the infrastructure changes, the systems, the people that, that, uh, will make that money work because just throwing money at a problem isn't going to solve it. And, uh, I think that just reinforces the the need to have a really firm plan and really firm objectives about what the heck are you going to do with the money? Why is this money going to be different than the money you spent last week?
1: Yeah. And Cabo, I remember the first time I interviewed you, which has been a long time now, like maybe a year and a half ago or something, maybe two years ago, you coined this phrase that I use all the time, which is... Uh, everybody listening to this podcast right now already has a fully systemized business, right? It's like the question is: that Should I systemize things? The real question is: Are the systems that are in place serving my outcomes well? Serving my family, my—I call it your mountaintop, your destination, your why. Right? That's the real—the real trick. And I don't know if it was you, Cap, or not, but I—I I feel like maybe it was. Where you said you need three things to make a business work you need you need the system, you need the capital and you need the the person the operator someone to execute on that process or the system right um so I, what I'm hearing you guys say is like capital's great and it can be really powerful um, but you can only properly use it if you're plowing it into an already calibrated kind of framework or system is is that fair to say
2: well close i I don't. I don't think that's the only way to make uh, uh, growth capital work. I think that you can take a broken mousetrap or a well-intentioned, bad-acting person and turn it around. I think that you have to have a plan for the people, a plan for the business model, and the capital. I think that's the point that that we would make. Not that. You you can only put money into a business that's already working.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's 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 actually more of what I meant. I mean, because when someone works with you guys with Red Hook Investments, basically you're going to be able to provide that spit shine to their systems and their model and their the way that they're doing things, right? And so then you take the capital, like you said, you're not going to make an investment and walk away you're going to stay there and go through like the objectives and the systems and how they're doing it and make sure that it is in alignment before you deploy that capital. Right. Is, does that make sense?
2: A- absolutely. I mean, even with that, that $16,000 uh, investment, which is not a, a substantial investment when you look at, you know, some of the bigger things we've done uh, that, that was really hands on. It was trying to get the people executing on a plan shifting the business model, changing the spending habits. Uh, I'll, I'll defer Mike Dulkey, You can probably add a lot more color than I can.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And to take it a step further, the deal in Nashville, I think is really um, an excellent example where we could have put the money in. We could have came up with the business model, but without Gabe Torres, without him, the guy that really makes the trains run on time, the whole thing went to work nearly as well. So we wanted to have all three in that scenario. And if Gabe calls up and says, hey, you know what? I've got this uh, idea and I want investment for it. And we're going to back Gabe as long as the business model makes sense all day long because he's a rock star. And inside it, he's got a good model. So whether it was California, whether it was Nashville, no matter where it was, um, we've learned that we want to be in places where there's a great leader. He's got great morals, great ethics, lots of grit and that we can finance the growth of that business and that business model makes sense California was a different situation um, but we still had the right people and we wanted to help them and we wanted to engage with them
1: well, and actually, take a few minutes, um, you know, as we kind of round out this. This has been amazing. Tell us about the California deal. I I forget the exact numbers you told me. I just remember thinking, wow, what a turnaround. Like, give us some backstory. You guys came in. What did you do? What were the results so far a year in? And then and then also, uh, talk about redhookinvestments.com, who you're looking for, who who this would benefit. There are a lot of people that listen to this show that have grit. They're good leaders, but they're stuck. Uh, so start with... Uh, giving us an update on California and then roll into your what you're looking for with Red Hook Investments.
0: Yeah, so on California, um, I will speak in broad terms and broad strokes to protect um, the agreement that we have on confidentiality. Uh, but we invested in a company in California that was uh, not in the position that they were that they wanted. The joke um, from the owner, the majority owner, was I'm looking for the Marcus Lemonis. I'm looking for the profit, someone who would put in money and help turn this thing around. Um, and that owner was at the right place at the right time in his career for this business. And he had a business partner um, that was full-time in the business that was a rock star. So we put in, uh, I think it was 16,000. We bought a very small amount of the company. Um, We have a minority stake in it. They have the decision-making rights. They have control. Uh, But we put in some money, and the owner put in, the majority owner put in more money. He said, I like the plan. I want to put in more. And I think the total investment was somewhere in the $50,000 range. So from there, we engaged over the course of the year to do those things that Kaplan said, fix the business model, help change mindsets and spending habits and, and figure out what vehicles make sense and using the models that we already knew how to do and input those in. So it was on, I will say, um, a large loft for many years. It was running a negative uh, profit and it had five digits to it. And it's turned around so that this year the projections are that it's going to be between fifty dollars and $100,000 of profit. So large loss, swinging to projected large profits this year, and already significantly better Q1 than Q2, or Q1 this year versus last year in a major, major way. So we're super excited about it, not because it was this major great investment. The best moment of the California deal is when the owner, the majority owner's wife cashed the first check, and he called me and he said, She's cashed in her first check. It's so awesome. She's almost in tears. And she was so happy. It was the first time that they didn't have to put money into the business that they could actually take it out in a check. And that was the coolest experience. And, you know, they I think they're taking their their regular check now and they're, they're using it that they bought a car or something. So it was just the coolest experience to help in that way. So what we're looking for uh, when we're looking at investing in business is really three things. We want a person... Who we believe in, who we like, who we can be friends with, who we are just passionate about the work they're doing, like the guy in California, like Gabe in Nashville. We want to find the right person that we believe in. Secondly, we want the capital that we put to work to work as hard as that person does and as hard as we do. So, we want it to be working inside the business. If it's refinancing a six percent loan, that's not really working hard. If it can go to increase the business from four hundred thousand to eight hundred thousand, that's working hard. We want the capital to be able to work really, really hard, and then we want it to be at a risk that makes sense. If someone came and said, "Hey, you know I'm at uh, doing sixty thousand dollars of revenue and I'm looking for capital to turn it to to franchise my business model and sell it in the Asian markets. That risk doesn't make sense to us. We have no idea how to, how to play that game. But if you're looking at it and saying, hey, I've got a carpet cleaning business or a window cleaning business or whatever business it is, and I'm just looking for some money to go to increase the marketing, to get over this hump, and we understand that risk, then we're, we're all in for it and we're excited to help. So again, the person that we believe in, a good use where the money is working as hard as we do and as hard as that person is, and then lastly, the risk profile. That makes
2: sense. What do you have against the Asian market?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you may know them, but I don't. I'm just stuck in Italy.
1: <laughs> well, the California deal was just a small investment amount. They're losing you know, tens of thousands a year. Like, literally, they're operating for a whole year and then losing money and then doing it again and losing money. And then just for you guys, like, implementing some expertise and a little bit of capital. A complete 180 shift the first season. That's pretty awesome, man. It's got to make you guys feel good. Um, Kaplan, what are your thoughts well, here on everything that you know, Michael just said?
2: I'll, I'll tell you, Mike Dahlke doesn't toot his horn quite loud enough. He, he is the balance sheet whisperer. Um, he, he likes to call himself, or he likes when uh, friends call him the prophet, but he's the balance sheet whisperer. He gets finance. And what I will take very little credit for what happened in California, but it went from Uh, loss, 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 loss inside of six months, uh, turn the business around just by putting in some, some financial controls. And, you know, it used to be, well, we need to write a check for, uh, for this, and we need to write a check for that. And there wasn't an overarching philosophical, uh, mantra that people adhered to, uh, when making business decisions and writing checks. So it, uh, Mike Belke worked, uh, over the course of, uh, probably 12 months on instilling that business philosophy and creating systems that are scalable and duplicable. And, um, what I, the, the only other thing I'll say about the California deal was, uh, that it violated the only rule we had when we started Red Hook Investments, no California deals. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, my heart. My my heart does go out for the entrepreneurs out there. It is a different animal. It, of course, you can succeed, but it it's very different. Is is that been the case with you guys uh, going through this process? California. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if you've operated businesses there before, but did it live up to the hype of just pure madness with the cost structure and all the legalities and everything?
0: It's the same country. <laughs> it has lived up to the hype. And then some usually our, our calls with California start with um, complaining about California and then uh, getting on the business tasks. But what I will, you know, that was literally Kaplan's not making a joke. We had said no California, no New York. Uh, let's not do that. And the first thing we do together is California. But I think that that shows um, from both Kaplan and I's perspective that the deal is important. The, the capital is important. But what's really important is that guy and that, or that gal who's running the business. And the two guys that we invested in, more than we invested in the business per se, they're the ones that deserve the credit. There's no tooting in my horn. Uh, I'm not going to say their names, but they, they deserve the credit because they're the ones that made the change, made the shifts, did the hard things, made the decisions, went out and sold the clients. They did all the work. And if it wasn't for those guys, no way would we have done California. And because of those guys, we did California.
1: Yeah. And, you know, my thoughts on the whole thing is that I believe that people can borrow authority and they can borrow certainty. What I mean is, is when you're a little guy fighting the good fight and you haven't, you know, had these, you know, mythical levels of success yet, even if you are the right person and you are doing the right things every day of your business, career you're second guessing you have uncertainty you're just not sure right and so there's fear and and it slows you down and what's really cool about this opportunity uh, that you guys are offering is they can borrow your certainty you know like to be able to fill out a form at redhookinvestments.com go there if you guys feel like you're a good fit for this and be able to have a conversation with someone like you it's huge for the right person because they they might be on the, the right track or they have a hunch that's correct but because they don't know they're kind of left in limbo and indecisiveness you know what i'm saying and then but because you have been there and done it many many times different industries helped other people do it um it just kind of jump starts the whole thing it's like you take the right person and you tell them with certainty this is the path trust this process and then they execute on it it works right what do you think about that
2: I, I would say uh, you're, you're exactly right, and we're not a deal factory. We're not uh, looking to, to invest in you know a thousand or even a hundred businesses in 2018. We're, we're looking for the right people, the right circumstance, so we can get our hands dirty. We've had success in the service industry. We have a blast doing it, and we've had uh, with that success comes opportunity, and uh, we want to take business principles and invest in people who just need a little bit of help. Uh help them with their model, help them with their structure, help them with their capital needs, and uh take a, a small investment, uh sometimes a large investment, but as a percentage of the value of the business, a small investment. Uh we're not looking for control. We're looking to help. Money is part of that. Our time and our expertise is part of it. And we want to, to set those those investments up for autonomy. So uh we're not looking to micromanage and uh take a deal in Poughkeepsie and and you know uh make sure we sign every check and, and watch every hire. That's not the game we want to play. We want to help from ten thousand feet, but it starts out helping from five hundred feet by digging into the books, digging into how they do what they do, setting up best practices, and then backing away, slowly backing away, being a sounding board uh for uh, the people who need help uh, on on a weekly call or what have you, and and give them an opportunity to uh, go out and, and run the kind of business they know they want to run.
1: It's awesome, guys. What you're doing is is really really cool, and I'm super glad you gave me so much time to do this three part series. I just want to encourage all the listeners. If you feel that you are a stuck person who is the right person and you're like freaking out, you probably already went here. But if you if you didn't do it yet do it. Go to redhookinvestments.com. This is just a boutique style way that you can get help. Like he said, they're not trying to take over the world and do hundreds of these. Uh, but if you're not going to get the chance to talk to these guys unless you fill out the form. So if you want to learn a bit, a little bit more, go to that website, fill it out. It takes like two seconds. And uh, if you guys have any closing thoughts, I'll let you kind of round it out. And again, thank you for your time. Uh, what do you think? Dolkey in closing.
2: I think he muted his phone. <laughs> I
0: did. I did. Busted. <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't have a whole lot to add. I'm, I am really don't. I wish I had
2: something. This is one of those that gets deleted from the podcast.
1: No, no. Nope. This is raw and real, baby. <laughs> Maybe Kaplan uh, will say something mythical to close us out.
2: Well, how about this? Thank you. We, it, it has been a blast spending time with you over these uh, three podcasts. Uh, I I love helping business owners. Hopefully, uh, we didn't sound too silly, and we uh, gave people confidence that they can do it. Get a plan, get some help. You don't have to call us. You don't have to go to RedHookInvestments.com. And you know, we we're not we're not the right fit for everyone. Go go to Score uh, S C O R E uh, in in your neighborhood and get some help from a retired financial professional, or go you know talk to your uncle's friend who ran a t-shirt company and made millions, find someone who can invest in you because they love doing it and they will, they will make you better. Um, we'd love to help, uh, those who are interested in our help, but there, there are immense opportunities. Don't fight this entrepreneurial fight on your own. Uh, there are people out there who have fought these battles before and can cut the learning curve significantly for you
1: absolutely that was awesome well said thank you both you guys are awesome can't wait to see you again whenever that is and uh hopefully we we can help change some family trees for some people get some people unstuck i appreciate your time and everybody like and share these episodes give me a five star itunes review if you haven't done it yet come on, man. What are you waiting for? Help me out. Give me a digital high five. I I love and appreciate all of you. Take care. God bless